Hey, welcome back to this series of the book of Jonah. Uh, today we're going to be diving into, uh, we're still in the first chapter here, we're diving into verse 4 through 10 today. And so without further ado, I'll go ahead and read and then we'll we'll dive in. We'll break this down into to three parts here today. And so chapter 1, verse 4 of the, the beautiful word of God says this, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from, and what is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Let's pray. Heavenly gracious Father, uh, I can I thank you each and every time that uh, we get to open our copy of your perfect inerrant word and to, to read it. And Father, I pray that your spirit be with us, that your grace be, be outflowing at this time upon our hearts to receive the word. And Father, I pray that you use this this story of Jonah, this passage today to to bring glory and honor to you that our 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 hearts and our minds be set upon the great and glorious sacrifice of of your son Jesus and that we marvel in him, we marvel in the magnificence of who he is. And we pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, so today we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to examine this in in three sections here. Uh the first is going to be sin's effect. We'll see that in verse 4 and 5. Uh, and then we'll look briefly into sin's denial in the second part of verse 5. And then we'll dive into sin's exposure in verse 6 through 10. So sin's effect, sin's denial, and sin's exposure. And we're going to kind of rapid fire through this uh, for uh, probably very quickly here. And then we'll kind of peel it apart and start diving a bit deeper into it. And so uh, we pick up verse 4. So we pick up in verse 4 uh, where we find Jonah thinking he, he found the solution for all his problems. Instead of calling Nineveh to repentance, he gets on a boat, uh, intending to go as far away as he can from the presence of the Lord as possible. And, and just to make a side note here too on that of, when it says here the presence of the Lord, that he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord, uh, Jonah being a prophet, he, he knows he cannot run from the sovereign hand of the Lord. He knows that he knows that the Lord is omnipresent and he cannot escape the, the sovereign hand of the Lord. Uh, so the presence of the Lord, what he's referring to here is, is the Ark of the Covenant, the, the temple uh, being in, in Jerusalem. So he's, he's fleeing in that sense from the presence of the Lord. And, and so here, rather than heading to Nineveh, which is northeast of Jerusalem, he goes to Joppa and, to, and, and tries to go to Tarshish, uh, which is the opposite direction, southwest. You know, Jonah, he, he's, he's all alone, isolated in his sin, with no one there to be his, his conscience or call him back to repentance. He, he hides himself. 
right? which is a common response when when one wants to to, to sin against the Lord willfully, and they hide that. Uh, they typically don't see it just blatant out in the open, and especially from one who is who is uh, a child of God. And so uh, I know that the, the pagan nations of what we use here, Nineveh, uh, those who are not in Christ, uh, they willfully, outwardly sin against the Lord. And uh, those that, that, that belong to Christ, that doesn't mean we're, we're perfect. That does not mean that we'll never sin again. Um, but usually when it comes to, to sin, sin willfully, it's, it's usually in, in hiding. And because uh, we know that, uh, that those around us are... Well, one, it will call us to repentance if they truly, truly love us. And, and so one kind of runs from that. And so it just it kind of puts a highlight on uh, such a necessity to be in fellowship, to, to be around fellow believers in Christ, to be in that continuous, really informal counseling as, as we're exhorting the word of God to one another, that we're encouraging one another in Christ. And, and so what a, what a great and glorious gift that the Lord uses in, in his preserving means. Right? We talk about the, the perseverance of the saints, that's he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion. Uh, those who are who, who belong to the Lord, uh, they, they cannot be taken from the hand of God. They, they are in the palm of Christ. They're in the palm of the Father and therefore cannot be taken out. Uh, and you yourself cannot jump out. Uh, that is an, an impossibility. And so with that, we, we know that those who are his will preserve to the end. Uh, but he, he gives preserving means, means in which he preserves his people, one of which is uh, fellowship with the saints. And, and that of his church and to be able to um, encourage one another and to uplift one another and to, uh, to, to call one another to repentance in times of need. And so that is a, is a glorious gift of, of God's preserving means to bring one to, to, to completion. And so uh, what we see here from Jonah, he's hiding himself in the, the common response when one wants to sin against the Lord willfully. Uh, our passage here today, it shatters that myth with a small but significant word at the very beginning of verse four, uh, it's the word, but Jonah has done these things. And it is the, the first indication in this account that Jonah is in, in some serious trouble here. And what I mean by shattering the myth, the myth that, that you can hide yourself from, from God, uh, that you can hide yourself from the presence of the Lord. Uh, that is the myth in which I'm, I'm speaking of here that is just completely destroyed here. Uh, the Lord, not content here with Jonah's rebellion. God knows where Jonah is. God knows Jonah's thoughts and what exactly it is that Jonah is up to. Uh, God, just make note of that. God not only uh, sees our outward actions, but also knows our inward thoughts, our inward intentions. And so that is the, the high standard of uh, such a... a, a uh, a, a holy God uh, is such a high standard. So I, I hope that does not uh, discourage you, but rather encourages you in knowing that uh, to, to even in our our failures, in our in our thoughts, and, and in our deeds and our actions, uh, there is a sufficient one who is in Christ. Uh, the sufficiency of Christ, and that He was perfect, and that He obeyed uh, with the utmost perfection, uh, without spot or blemish. That is in both word, thought, and deed. And, and so therefore he being the perfect, sufficient sacrifice. So placing our, our, our soul faith upon him and knowing that, that he has gone before us, he has uh, covered our sins in that of his perfect sacrifice. And so uh, so you who struggles in, in thought and uh, perhaps internally 
with with uh, thoughts of sin. Um, the, you have a great Lord that that has uh, overcome those sins, and and so I say to you, 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 through the power of the Lord, you can surely mortify the deeds of the flesh, mortify the thoughts in in your mind, because the Lord has already conquered those. So take great encouragement in that. And so, uh, again, the Lord is not content with Jonah's rebellion. He knows exactly what's going on. The Lord, uh, here, he brings hardship to his servant. Uh, this is not out of vindictiveness, but as a, an act of great mercy. Jonah is being shown mercy here. And the Lord, in his great, great mercy, brings him back to his senses. He's beginning to bring him back to his senses. Here is we have a, 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 a leap in that. And he goes... Or he does so using here what we refer to as secondary causes. And those secondary causes being uh, storms, winds, uh, the casting of lots, this, this great fish. And so he's using secondary causes to bring about his sovereign decree. And so Jonah, he flees in secret. And in response, God sends a storm, a mighty tempest. But although mighty tempest is a, a storm of great mercy, so that Jonah would be awakened and his eyes returned to the Lord and, and being restored eventually here. And so, and why I say that here, I want to make also note too, those that are familiar with the book of Jonah, he, Jonah ends, this book ends very strangely, and we're going to get there here in this series, but there isn't a, a really, a real blatant uh, example of, of Jonah coming into this, this repentance in which that we think he probably, well, why is he not coming to this like deep, solemn repentance here? Um, but I want to make note, Jonah authored this book. Um, and so that in and of itself, uh, I think is a great uh, proof of this repentant heart of Jonah uh, because he was willing to, to lay out here by the, uh, obviously the conviction of the Lord and the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen this narrative about himself, which is just himself continuously uh, disobeying the Lord. So this is not at all a, a highlight reel in for Jonah in that of uh, positivity, but rather it's a display of, of his disobedience and his willingness to to, to pen that and and to to show his disobedience but highlight the the grace and the mercy of God. I think that in itself uh, shows us that Jonah has a repentant heart. Uh, to be willing to do that. And so uh, so Jonah flees. He flees in secret. God sends a storm of great mercy. Uh, Jonah's sin here has consequences, effects that he thought were, were hidden. The, the storm the Lord sends is so great that the boat seems to be just falling apart. These veteran sailors, these mariners, frightened by a storm that is unlike anything they have ever experienced before. They're praying to their, their false pagan gods, uh, trying to... to, to calm the storm through uh, their own means here. And so uh, they throw their livelihood, the cargo, the uh, all the things which are on the ship that that, uh, that they can get their hands upon. They're throwing it overboard in desperate uh, attempts to lighten the ship and to, to lift it up out of the water to, to not be completely destroyed. And so yeah, that, that's sin's effect here. Sin causing this uh, tempestuous storm here on the sea. And, and this storm in the life of Jonah, and also make note others that, that are around Jonah. We're going to highlight on that a little bit here, uh, a little bit more on as we go through this. And so uh, verse 5 here, we see sin's denial. So sin's effect, and then we have sin's denial. 
despite the chaos going on around. It says here that the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. And it says, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid it down and was fast asleep. Sin's denial. Chaos going on around him. Jonah, he, he goes down in the inner parts of the ship and he lays down. He takes a nap. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that he seems completely oblivious to the storm that's going on around him. His eyes like glazed over. Sin essentially blinds us to, the, to its consequences. And Jonah, in his hardened state, sleeps through the raging storm. Recognizing the consequences of sin is often, it's often a struggle. And Jonah's actions here, it highlight, highlights the, the amazing ability of sin to make us just oblivious to its effect on our lives. Even in the face of a storm here, Jonah, Jonah denies the reality of, its, of his actions, uh, which emphasizes the, the deep impact sin can have on our, our, our perception and, and on our understanding. And so instead of working to save the ship and the crew, Jonah, he goes to the center of the, the inner part of the ship and he, he takes a nap. He seems completely oblivious to the consequences and is perhaps presuming on the grace of God, perhaps, it seems like he's maybe saying to himself, I, I know that God will take care of me even though I'm sinning against him. I know that God will watch over me even though there is there are, are grave consequences falling um, for the most part on, on, on the sailors here who are, who are taking care of him. Jonah seems completely oblivious. But the question is, is this sin really unknown? Is this sin really hidden from the sight of God? Uh, the answer is emphatically no. God knows uh, the, the the inner parts, the, the most deepest parts of our uh, our heart and our minds, and so let's look here at sin's exposure here in verse uh, six through ten. So soon here, the captain he seems to recognize that Jonah's missing. Uh, maybe he went down to the ship's hall to find more cargo to throw overboard, and he stumbles across the sleeping prophet, uh, and that at that point, uh, he's not, it's not really clear how the captain finds him, but but he does find Jonah, he finds him sleeping, he goes in there to lecture him, uh, this captain of the ship, this pagan captain, scolds him like a, like a little boy saying, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Cry out to your God, and maybe your God will give a thought to us, and we won't perish. It's kind of amazing here that this pagan sailor, sailor here understands the, the dilemma of the ship, better than God's prophet does. The pagan sailor here comprehends that the source of the storm is, is divine. He tells the prophet of the Lord, uh, hiding is not going to do any good. Sleeping is not going to do any good. You need to call out to your God for deliverance. So God uses the, the storm here, uses a, a pagan captain to bring to light the sin of his prophet, the sins of his people. That which Jonah was supposed to do to Nineveh, the, the pagan captain here is doing to Jonah. He's calling him into repentance. The captain here, he, he, he rouses the prophet from his sleep, uh, but nothing seems to be changing here. We see in verse 7, the crew recognizes that the, that the storm remains and it remains relentless, so they decide to find out who it is, on, on whose account, it says, on whose account this evil has come upon them. They use the casting of lots here, which is a common way in those days to determine the will of God. Uh, the, the nation of Israel were permitted to use the casting of lots. 
Uh, really, they were only ones that were able to properly or properly use the casting of lots because they were looking into to the will of the true and living God. And so it seems like Jonah here, he, he knows he knows his, his game is up. His moment of confession before the, 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 the pagan sailors begins, he admits that I've sinned against the God who is everywhere. The, the, the God of the, the sea, the one who created the sea and the dry land. So these, these pagan sailors recognize the, the implications here. And they understand that the God who is over everything has them in the palm of his hand. And they are under his wrath. Jonah becomes a man of great interest to the sailors. And they, they begin to, to pepper him with questions, wanting explanations for this calamity that they have uh, find themselves in. Uh, Jonah here, he's in the, the hot seat. He's on trial as, as they try to find ways to, to satisfy the gods and please the wrath they believe they are under. Jonah here, though, Jonah's answer corrects the misunderstanding of the mariners. He corrects their misunderstanding of, of their gods, their false gods. Although he was hiding from God, Jonah knows there is there is there are no regional gods. He declares in verse 7 that he is a Hebrew who fears the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This revelation takes away uh, the sailors' foundation for hope, as there is no escaping this God who is over everything. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jonah here, his, Jonah's moment of, of confession before these pagan sailors acknowledges his guilt and places him under the, the chastisement of the Lord. So this narrative here, it drives us back to God as the, the only sanctuary for his people. This here, this narrative, it echoes the words of Psalm 91. The first two verses that say, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. As readers here of this narrative, if readers of the Holy Scriptures in their entirety, we see that when confronted with the omniscience of God, when confronted with our guilt, fleeing away from God is, is not an option. Instead, we are instructed to flee to God as his people finding a refuge at the cross of Christ. So in light of this lesson here from Jonah's life, uh, we have to consider the, the hardship that sin brings upon us. Jonah's intention to flee from God to, to satisfy himself ends up adding to his hardship. Seeking refuge, seeking rescue from the Lord is, is, is missing. The, the desperation remains for Jonah and his, his fellow travelers, these mariners. So this narrative, it serves as a reminder of really the uselessness of hiding from God. But what it emphasizes is the importance of seeking refuge in him. Not just nesting in the branches of salvation, but being grafted into the, the family tree by faith. To the family of God, to being a, a child of God. Knowing that you rest in the shadows of the Almighty. That he is your refuge, he is your fortress he is your God in whom you trust. And in that trusting, trusting upon the sufficient sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Jonah here, he adds grief to his plight here. Uh, often the storms that 
that we may find ourselves in in life that are are, are re, a result of departure from God. I'm not meaning a departure of of salvation, but turning our eyes away from the will of God. This is not always the case. Uh, there are surely times the Lord brings hardship into the lives of his people for reasons that we don't understand. Uh, perhaps to, to create a greater dependence on him, to lead us to, to, to cry out to him or to teach us to, to find comfort in him and him alone. Uh, but however, in, in many instances where, where hardship grows, it, it indicates a departure, a departure from uh, the, the ways of the Lord. And so may I give you here uh, four applications and I want us to have these in our mind through the lens of the perfect sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. Uh, I don't want to give us application in the in the sense of the the Bible being a self-help book. That's not at all what it's intended to be. Um, it's not a, a, a book that teaches us how to be morally upright. Uh, the reality is we, we cannot do that. We cannot be morally upright uh, in and of ourselves. Uh, we are made morally upright in the sense of uh, Christ's righteousness being accredited to you uh, on this side of eternity, uh, you still will struggle with sin. And there will be a, a continual mortifying the deeds of the flesh, uh, but all through the lens of, of Christ and his sufficient sacrifice that he has washed away your sins and that your efforts are, are, are futile in that of uh, trying to merit salvation through moral living and through um, Oh, seeking holiness in a religious manner. And so it is finished on the cross. Uh, Christ's righteousness, Christ's uh, holiness is what we cling to, not the holiness and the righteousness of ourselves. Uh, and so well, when I give you these applications, I want us to, to, to think of them in light of that, not in light of what can I do to be just a better person. Um, because we'll we'll continually fall short of that. Um, and so as we continually fall short of that, may your eyes be set to the sufficiency of Christ. And so uh, I'll give us an example of uh, marriages. Right? If, if, you're, if there's strife in your marriage uh, or just relationships in general, uh, have you asked whether sin may be the cause of this strife? Are there hostilities in your family? If your children are fighting all the time, have you looked for the root sin causing this hardship? If you're unhappy or grumbling against the Lord, have you sought the sin that may be the root of your discontent? Look for the sin. Examine yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to it and not to run from the Lord, but to run towards the sanctuary, the arms of Christ, laying your sins at the foot of the cross. Secondly, sins not only have consequences for us, but, but also for others. Uh, our sins are not only a problem for us, uh, we can affect others with our actions, whether it's strife in the marriage, whether it's conflict in, in family or selfishness in our interactions, our sins create problems for those around us. Children learn from their parents' patterns of sin, leading to generational sin. But Christ, however, is, he, he, he's not surprised by our sins. We need not to hide them from him. Instead, I don't know if I can highlight this enough, but we should flee, not from him, but flee to him, seeking forgiveness, seeking deliverance. Thirdly, we can learn from Jonah. 
to ask others to, to point out our sins. Uh, this, <laughs> this may be a risky endeavor, um, but do we hate our sin enough to invite others to point it out? And I'm not talking about uh, uh, hiring a sin police to point out every sin that that you commit. Is, um, and that'd be a full-time job and that'd be exhausting. But what I mean about is is being part of a community of believers who who truly truly love you and 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 truly uh, want to encourage you in that uh, being refined into the image of Christ and and to continue to to be as I spoke of earlier in in I think the last episode actually is that um, that God uses certain means to preserve His church and and so. One of them, I think the primary one, I have, I've, I've come to this, this conclusion, the primary means in which the Lord uses to preserve his people is that of people, his church. Uh, what a glorious gift of grace and that of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who want to encourage one another, to love one another, to exhort one another, to reproof one another, to, to rebuke in times of, of needing to be rebuked and to doing that in, in a loving manner. And so, so are we willing to, to humble ourselves and ask, is there anything in my life causing dishonor to the Lord Jesus Christ? And are we willing to listen without justifying ourselves? And, and so uh, take comfort and take advantage of that means of of fellowship with one another and and to encourage one another and and lastly here we learned that there are absolutely no hidden sins what jonah thought he was accomplishing in hiding his sin uh, well it didn't at all it, he didn't at all hide his sin there there are no hidden sins before the omniscient and omnipotent god of heaven and earth although we may desire to avoid detection we cannot hide our sins from the lord but take comfort Dear Christian, the good news is that dealing with our sins involves fleeing towards God, towards Christ, and towards the forgiveness of sin accomplished on the cross. As John says in, in 1 John, he reminds us that, he says, I write you these things so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, you have a great and glorious advocate in heaven with the Father. And so I added a few words there, and that of great and glorious. And so, uh, so he is. So you have an advocate with the Father. You have an advocate who is in heaven. And so uh, a final word here, as we contemplate these, these seven verses in Jonah, uh, verses four through 10 here, we see his, his firm rebellion and God's merciful chastisement to bring him back. Uh, Jonah, he fails to see or perhaps suppresses the truth of God, uh, the, the truth that God reveals. And so the sailors here, the mariners, however, they see it a little bit more clearly uh, for God cannot be mocked. They see that. They know that God cannot be mocked. You cannot run from God. What we sow is what we reap. So Jonah's life serves as a picture for us here, teaching us how to deal with our sin. And we can do so with confidence. And dealing with our sins is not fabricating uh, man-made ways to, to, to suppress that sin or to cover that sin. No, that the only way is to, to flee towards Christ, to keep our eyes set upon Christ and knowing that he is fully sufficient, and that he and he alone holds salvation. He and he alone is able to forgive sins. He and he alone has covered you who are in Christ. He has covered your past, your present, and your future sins. So rest in that. So I'll end here with a passage from the book of Hebrews. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Christ, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confidence of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the days drawing near. Scripture here, Scripture emphasizes that the hiding from God is never the solution. Instead, we must flee towards Him. Flee towards the, the sanctuary that is Christ. So until next time, may He keep you and bless you.